Hello and welcome to the Portable Magic Dispenser, a podcast for your school or public library, whatever uh, library you may be in. My name is Lucas Maxwell and I am the host of this show. <clears throat> Today I am going to be doing a Dungeons and Dragons uh, uh, episode where I kind of run through, I think I might do this more regularly. I don't know, I hope it'll be helpful. I'm going to discuss the sessions that we are doing with our students. I am the DM for some amazing uh, year 11 students that we've been doing this for quite some time. And um, I mean, they know what they're doing. I know what I'm doing at this point now with with running the game. But I, in, in certain respects, I'm still learning. But um, I think this might be helpful in that I'm going to just walk through what has happened and um, what I get them to roll win and why we're doing that. If this, if you're a new DM, this might be helpful. Um, that's my hope anyway. So they are in a gothic horror setting and... They are in a village that is covered in mist all the time, quite dark, strange uh, characters um, surrounding them. Uh, They're in, they split themselves up, which is never a great idea if you are, they know that, but um, never a great idea to split your party up. Uh, if you're listening to this, it's also tricky on the DM because it means you have to run multiple scenarios at once, but it's fine. So when they entered this village, one of the first things they saw was a wagon that had a uh, carnival-esque kind of picture painted on it, and it said Rictavio's, uh, Rictavio's Wagon of Wonders or something like that, <laughs> Carnival of Wonders, and one of the characters, the rogue, rightly enough, uh, role-playing the rogue very well, decided that they had to uh, try to open the door, and it was locked. Um, So they decided to come back the next day and try to pick the lock. So they did that, and they were successful in picking the lock. And so to do that, because they're a rogue, they have to roll um, their a d20, add their dex bonus plus their proficiency bonus, which is plus two because they're level three. Um, and they rolled really high. Um, in my head, I had set the DC, so the difficulty uh, class, as 15. So they needed a 15 or higher in order to pick the lock successfully. And they rolled, I think, an 18. So they were able to pick it. Now, if they rolled really low, if they rolled a natural one, I would have said they broke their lock picks and would have had to go on and get new ones. Anything else, if they below fifteen, they can. And this is a, this is something that I've heard other DMs or other, th- you know, yeah, DMs I guess ask, <clears throat> what's stopping the player from just constantly re-rolling until they get 15 or higher. Well, this is how you avoid that. In uh, This is how you get around that or deal with that as a DM. 
uh, in my opinion. I've seen other DMs do this. So I've stolen it from them. They So they roll below 15. If they roll a natural one, they're done. Because a natural one, in my opinion, should have should always have a negative consequence. Uh, the negative consequence is they snap their lockpicks in. They can't try again. They've broken the... Unless they try to, like, smash it. Okay? But they're trying to be sneaky in this instance. This character has snuck out into the early morning, pre-dawn... Uh, light. There's very little light in this land, but the pre-dawn kind of missed and tried to do this very quietly. Um, What they didn't do (laughs) was roll perception as they entered the area of the of the uh, wagon. They would have heard um, if with a DC of 12 or higher, they would have heard kind of like snoring uh, within inside the, the wagon. Heavy animal snoring. Um, so they didn't do that. They didn't bother. They just walked up to it, which I didn't, they didn't hear it. Um, their passive perception wasn't as high. So this is what's happened. They, if they had rolled, let's say even a 14, I would have said you've been unsuccessful. Uh, so again, what's stopping them from saying, well, I'm just going to keep re-rolling. Uh, you can say, well, you can try again, but, um, the DC, the difficulty gets higher. You might want to up it to 17. Um, the reason for this is maybe they're being frustrated. Maybe the character is being hurried. Uh, maybe this takes a little time for them to get their stuff ready and give it another shot, prepare their mind to do it. Stuff can happen in that time as well. Someone could come along. Uh, they could make noise by failing at all. They could uh, make a noise on the lock, you know, hitting the lock wrong with their lock picks or something. So there's all these different things that you have to think about uh, and that the players need to think about. And you can tell, I can. I sometimes straight up tell them, you know, you can try again, but the DC's gotten a little higher. I won't say what it is. And never... I never tell them what the number is. I just tell them that the DC is getting higher. So now in my head, they have to roll 17 or higher. And if they do it again and fail and they want to try again, it gets 19. And then it eventually will become impossible if they cannot roll high enough. So however, so that's how you get around that. However, this student uh, rolled an 18, click the lock opens however it has awakened the thing in there and it happened to be a pet a uh, saber-toothed tiger um rictavio's pet tiger and the student i said to the student what do you do and they said would i just throw open the doors uh this has awakened this thing and it's dark in there they don't have dark vision therefore uh i allowed the saber-toothed tiger to have a complete surprise attack on them and Sabertooth Tiger can knock them prone and do some damage. Uh, luckily for them, they were able to... I rolled really low on the damage. Uh, so surprise round just means the Sabertooth Tiger gets a free attack on them. And I rolled some damage, knocked them to the ground. And then I said, now we roll initiative, which just means you roll to see whose turn is what. Uh, unfortunately, the Sabertooth Tiger rolled higher than the Rogue, so... It got to go again, um, which meant the uh, uh, because the rogue was on the ground, 
uh, the saber-toothed tiger has advantage on their next attack. Um, all that means is I roll two d20s and choose the higher uh, higher roll, and then therefore bit the player again. So it was looking a little rough because they went completely on their own. They didn't want anyone going with them. Now the player wants to get up, which is fine. They can get up, but by getting up from prone, it takes half of their movement. So they got up. Let's say their speed is 30. They get to move 30 feet in one um, one action, or one, sorry, one, uh, one movement. Um, they can only move 15 feet now because they've taken half of it to stand up. Um, they decided to uh, disengage which a rogue can do, which just means they can run away. If a, like if a player without that option, uh, well, any player could disengage, but they can disengage as a bonus action. Um, and all that means, disengaging just means that uh, most players have to take their action to disengage, which means the, um, the saber-toothed tiger does not get a free, what's called, attack of opportunity as they run away. Um, the player decided to run away, but the saber-toothed tiger has a was able to catch them because they are not very big, this player, uh, and their speed is, I think, 25. I said 30, but I think it was 25. And was able to catch up and then attack them again. But then the owner came along. I had the owner um, coming with uh, a package of meat and uh, uh, eggs from the inn to feed the tiger, and he saw what was happening, and he called Rufus, the saber-toothed tiger, off. Um, it wasn't like a... La- it wasn't like a a shoehorn save i i did have it planned that the owner was walking back and it was going to take it took like three or four rounds of combat which is about 18 to 20 seconds roughly in like time D time it's not much time but they were coming anyway so in the early morning so uh and the reason why they were doing that in the early morning is that that player that npc who's feeding the saber-toothed tiger didn't want i gotta be careful here in case i don't think any of the students listen maybe they do which is hello there but uh if they do uh i gotta be careful i'm not spoiling anything but that that npc rictavio didn't want the people of the inn the blue water inn to know that he had a pet saber-toothed tiger now switch to the other students the other players i should say who were traveling to the north of the village or going through the village and they saw a kind of a commotion a crowd gathered around something so they they investigated and what they saw was a monkey playing uh, an instrument (laughs) cymbals and lute and juggling and doing a dance for people who had these really strange almost permanent uh, grins on their faces that looked very odd. It was all very creepy for them. Um, One of the players decided to boo the monkey uh, because they were told to look happier, and they decided to fight fight against that. Can you you be happier, please? One woman said to the player, and the player said, why? And she said, just be happy. And she decided to boo, and this brought over the guards, who demanded to know why they were booing uh, said monkey and the player wanted to know why she wasn't allowed to boo the monkey and they were given a stern warning to just 
not uh, boo the monkey and not be unhappy and to smile all at all times. <laughs> um, they did not care for this, the player, rightly so, <laughs> but they didn't seem comfortable uh, or, you know, didn't seem uh, it was smart to take on these guys who looked really tough. So one of the other players decided to cast Speak With Animals uh, so they can understand the animals. Um, and the animal told him that, uh, the monkey told him that he belonged to um, Blinsky, uh, the toy owner, the toy shop uh, man. The whole thing was kind of an elaborate ad for the toy shop. So they went to the toy shop and uh, <clears throat> wandered in. Oh, and I, the, the player decided, the player said, are you happy with Blinsky? And the, the monkey said, yes. And the player said, I'm going to roll insight. And all that means is, can the player determine if the monkey is lying or not? And I think he rolled like a 13, and that was kind of like middle of the road. Um, a little hard to read, but I said, yeah, he seems happy with the, with the guy. He didn't get any sense that he was lying. But in your head as a DM, if you have someone who's lying um, and is a good liar, you might want to set the DC at like 15. They have to roll 15 or higher in order to catch a whiff of dishonesty in their voice or something catching in their voice. Um, just weird things like that. And they go to the shop and there's all these weird toys like a wooden merry-go-round made of uh, snarling wolves. There's a mobile made of wooden bats. <laughs> there's a nesting doll. They didn't look at those, so I won't say what's in those. Um, <laughs> there was a ventriloquist doll that looked like a vampire, um, which one player who's playing a vampire bought and thought that maybe there was... Uh, something strange about the doll so they decided to kind of like tear it apart out in secret so what I should have made that player do is roll what they call sleight of hand so if you didn't want anybody to see you do something you have to roll what's called sleight of hand and your players will all have uh, sleight of hand skills on your sheets and they didn't I didn't make the player do that and it was fine but I probably should have just said roll sleight of hand to see if anybody sees you so what you can do is <clears throat> if there's a lot of people in like a busy pub or in or street market and somebody's like either trying to steal something or do something like that where maybe people could see uh tell them to roll sleight of hand and all you need to do is get their number record that number let's say they rolled a 14 then you can roll perception for the people in the inn or the market or whatever and what i do i just kind of do like a group roll i might roll a couple times i don't really have any base system for it and i would probably just prefer like a commoner or whatever i would just roll like a base d20 however if i roll over uh, 14 or whatever number the player rolled uh those those actions were noticed <clears throat> i might not tell them that those actions are noticed but i just i just say okay you, you're doing this you're going to give this a shot that might have consequences later down the road where a couple sessions later, somebody taps him on the shoulder and is like, why are you destroying my vampire dolls that I make <laughs> um, in the street? You know, something like that. <clears throat> or why would you, you know, just it, it might be fun if those <clears throat> the actions have consequences. But in this case, uh, I happen to know this student is uh, very, very, very clever and very uh, knows what they're doing. So I, I said just you can duck into the alley and, and do this. Uh, nobody's around. Um, 
And yeah, so they decided to do that. And there was another doll that looked suspiciously like one of the NPCs who traveled with them uh, named Irina. And uh, she, uh, this doll was purchased by another player as well. Um, the toy owner, the toy shop owner told them that um, he has a rumor, heard a rumor that his mentor, a very famous toy maker, made a clockwork man that is trapped in the basement of Castle Ravenloft, owned by Count Strahd, um, <laughs> the famous vampire. Uh, this uh, intrigued the players, but also terrified them. Uh, they wanted to know, the, the toy owner wanted them to retrieve the, <clears throat> the, the, the toy, and the reaction was, how, uh, you know, how soon do you need this? Because <laughs> they don't really want to go there. They went there a few sessions ago, and <clears throat> things did not go well for them. <laughs> um, but that's just the way it is. They went to the gates of the castle, and things were things went bad really fast. <laughs> um, so they're in this village, and it's a bit strange, and they're a bit um, it's a bit odd what's happening in here. Um, they decide to go north because one of them was robbed in the night. I forgot to do that. So when players are sleeping, and they were sleeping, uh, they roll perception with disadvantage to see if they get woken up or if they see what's going on. I had a player, an NPC, robbed them. Three of the players robbed everything they owned. And the thing was, one of the players very cleverly, when they woke up, they all rolled horribly low. I think they all rolled below five. Um, so this player was able, this NPC was able to rob them blind. And one of the... Players has nunchucks on them. So the next morning, the the cleric casts a spell called Locate Object, and it's able to tell them within a thousand feet where something is. Um, and they were able to figure it out that their their nunchucks follow the chucks uh, were moving north. So they they went through the streets and they saw the man getting into a rowboat with a bundle. Um, and in a box and rowing out into the middle of a lake. They followed and, <laughs> and in their own boat, which happened to be there very conveniently, but that was fine. Uh, there would have been boats there. Uh, the cleric then casted a, casted, cast a spell that kind of like disrupted the water, made knocked the guy over because I rolled a dexterity save to see if he stayed within the boat. Had a pretty low DC. I think I had like a 12 and he rolled like a 5. So he fell into the water because the boat was, like, splashed around. One of the turtles, he couldn't swim. One of the players who was playing a turtle, uh, they're all playing turtles. There's three turtles, uh, jumped in. And uh, why they had to row the boat, I don't know. They couldn't swim. <laughs> but anyway, um, saved him very kindly. He then asked if they could uh, row a little, uh, swim a little faster. Um the thing is, there are things in this lake. I'm not going to say in case they're listening, but there is something that began to speak to the player uh, telepathically. They didn't like that. <laughs> uh, they made it to the other side. Some kind of dark things happened. Uh, the guy who they saved, who wasn't a nice guy, he did get um, he did didn't make it to the other side of the lake, and that just happens in D and D. Um, the other players, however went to the boat and got their stuff back, but also discovered that the man had kidnapped somebody 
and they had saved this person and she was very grateful and she said her father would give them a reward if they came back and they were able to in, like, roll more insight and determine that she uh, had persuasion on her, not persuasion on her, but um, roll persuasion to get her to tell her, get to, her to tell them more about her life and she was the grand she's the granddaughter of um, somebody that they've met earlier in the campaign so that was kind of exciting um, but anyway they're hopefully getting a reward next time um, so they're traveling back uh, to the land meanwhile the the player who swam across the other side of the lake met a mad mage who polymorphed her now polymorph is a spell where they can the the maid the wizard can change you into something an animal creature or anything um you have to say do a wisdom save they needed to roll a 15 or higher to escape to fight off being uh transformed she rolled i think an eight uh so she was transformed into like uh, what i said was a sea slug which i'm sure exists it's probably disgusting uh i just just the first thing i could think of that i thought was funny and he then picked up the sea slug and tossed it into the lake. But the uh, cleric who said, can I look for the sea slug? Uh, she can move as a sea slug. She just is going to remain that way for an indefinite amount of time. Uh, I won't tell in case you're listening, but uh, there's, a, there's a time limit on that. Uh, the cleric uh, who was in the boat said, can I, uh, can I find the sea slug? Can I look for it? So I ro- asked him to roll uh, what's called survival. He rolled a natural 20. I have to reward natural 20, so I was saying it doesn't take you too long to discover the slug. He scooped it up, and off they went. Now, the thing in the lake uh, didn't like the fact that uh, um, the the turtle wasn't uh, obeying his commands the way he wanted, so he attacked the cleric with a tentacle, uh, doing, I think, 38 psychic damage, uh, and <clears throat> um, dropped him unconscious. Uh in the boat, just to give them a little warning, a little, a little, uh, a little uh, sense of danger in this in this campaign, and they quickly rowed out of there uh, and got to shore. So that was the kind of session. That was about an hour of playing uh, the other day, and um, I mean, it's it's nonstop uh, laughing. In my opinion, I love it, and uh, they are hilarious and. I really enjoy uh, running this game with them, but um, you never, absolutely never know what is going to happen uh, with them, and that's why I love it. So hopefully that was helpful with if you're a new DM and you're you're working on you know building suspense or like comedy into your your, your game or anything like that. Um, hopefully that was helpful. Uh, I do have this. Uh, this is shameless, but I have a book coming out all about this, about how to run these types of scenarios, how to set it up, etc. It's called Let's Roll. It'll be out with Facet in uh, March. You can find a link to all the information about it on my Twitter at Lucas J Maxwell. And that's it for the podcast. I really appreciate you listening. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next time.